Welcome, there it is, ladies and gents. Welcome back to my favorite day of the week, SHIT. So happy it's Thursday. Shut up and sit down. The Business Bros Podcast was created for you. Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business and social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode of Business Bros. Yeah, <laughs> it is time, James. Drop the here we go. All right, all you business pros out there. Before we jump into the show, just a quick reminder to please subscribe on whichever platform it is that you're listening to us on today. Give us a like, give us a follow, subscribe, and drop a review. Help other like-minded business owners find value from our awesome guests while we rise up in those podcast rankings. We'll sincerely appreciate every single one of you for it. And if you want to be a guest on the show, we'd love to have you on to learn from you as well. Go to www.businessbros.biz. Do we have to go to slash guest anymore? Nope. Businessbros.biz to schedule your time slot. Don't forget to follow us on all our social medias at Business Bros Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, we're so excited and so honored to bring yet another incredible guest to the Business Bros Pod. Although it is a great problem to have, there is such a thing as a business that is growing way too fast. Without the right infrastructure in place, a business can quickly spin out of control when faced with too much growth. Our guest today specializes in increasing bandwidth for fast-growing small businesses, specifically via business infrastructure, and she is one of the few people in the world that specializes in exactly this niche. As a two-time Amazon best-selling author and weekly podcast host, our guest is a verifiable authority on business infrastructure, and she's here today to share her, share her knowledge with us. If your business is stagnant or floundering because you just don't have the right people in the right seats to manage the crucial operational requirements, today's episode is exactly what you need to hear. Joining us today from Equilibria, Inc., the host of the Business Infrastructure Curing Back Office Blues podcast, welcome to the show, Elise. Butler, PA. Wow. <laughs> I think the live studio audience is excited to have you on the show too. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm excited. Wow, what an introduction. That was amazing. Well, <laughs> thank you. I have one skill. It's it's all I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's jump into this. Uh, scaling a business. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to get in the habit of doing this every show, so I'm going to start with the utmost, most important question every business should have. What is it that you're selling, Alicia? I sell business infrastructure, and what that basically means is I'm selling fast growth with less pain and less chaos. All right, fast growth. Okay. Uh, yes. First of all, first of all. We can only dream to have hockey stick problems on our chart, right? I know, I know. But sometimes it comes as an unexpected thing, right? Where we're, we're, you know, earlier today, I, I was on a training uh, to learn a little more about my high-level uh, text community program. And so as I'm doing, as I'm learning something, one thing that's crucial that I tell people all the time, we learn something, great. Now implement it and start to make it happen, right? You have to put something that you learn into practice so that it'll work. Now, this one little thing could easily be that one piece in my business that really shoots, uh, you know, hockey sticks me into a direction that I need to go in. And then I'm going to be like, uh oh, what do I do? I got customer here. I got customer here. Where does it go? Who goes next? What's the next process? Is that 
when you step in. Yes. And I wish I could step in sooner. <laughs> but but you're absolutely right. And I love the fact that you mentioned learning something new, because I would say as you're learning something new, make sure you put processes in place around what you've just learned. That way, as you start to experience that hockey stick growth and you start to add more people to your team, the processes are already documented. Mm. So you can just keep putting yourself out there and going onto podcast interviews and, and getting on TV shows and bringing in even more attention and publicity to your company, knowing and rest assured, knowing that you have the people, the processes and the right tools and technologies in place to support all of the demand that's about to come your way. You know, I've been so saying it, Miguel. Huh? I've been saying it. Exactly. So when you're talking about processes, though, because here's the thing, what, what I was implementing here is a system that would operate regardless of whether I was there, right? So, so my thought process was simple. I'm using time trade, for example, for our booking program. Well, I don't actually have to use that software anymore. Now I can, I have this other set that's part of my texting software where I can implement my, my calendar gather the information that I need and then automate a text sequence so that the guest who comes on the show gets the information that they need, right? It's all automation. But when you're talking about the process or recording the process, the other things that we can do is, you know, when I have, for example, when I'm creating content for a client and I want my VA, for example, to start taking over that, that process or anybody else at that point, recording or showing exactly the process that I have done, that's what you're talking about getting in, in, in uh, somewhere where you have a almost like an employee manual so that if that person leaves, I can easily replace them because they're the new person's coming in and operating the system, not so much starting from scratch. That's exactly right. That's exactly right, Hernan. And And what you actually described, even in automating your booking process, well, that that's a process in and of itself. And so that's what's so funny. A lot of times when people ask me, well, well, what do you mean when you say a process? It's like you're you have processes now, whether or not they've been formalized in terms of documentation, that might be another story. But you have there's a there's a method to your madness, right? Mm -hmm. There are work. Some people use the term workflow. And I see that especially when we're talking about, for example, that the text texting technology that you're talking about that might be referred to as what's the actual workflow, but you've already thought through what needs to happen and the sequence in which things need to happen. And you just automate the technologies and get them, get them in place and make sure things are integrated with each other so that it kind of runs on autopilot. But the, the point is you've already thought through that you know, the sequencing of the steps and what that end result looks like. I'm just suggesting that that's at, put on paper and it doesn't have to necessarily be on proverbial paper. It could, could very well be in the form of a video. It could be a checklist that you have. It could, it could be a standard operating procedure where you have step one, do this, step two, so forth and so on. Just get it out of your head and into a format that can easily be shared with your future VAs and anybody else who joins your team. I love this, this level, this point in a business, right? Because I think, you know, the people who tend to listen to us haven't gotten to this point, but they want to, right? And they have this idea and they know they're good at something. So they go out and implement uh, their skill, 
right? But they fall right. into that self-employment trap where if they go on vacation, their paycheck goes on vacation with them, right? <laughs> yes. and, and that's not truly a business. Just because you went out and put the DBA and you, you registered your LLC or whatever it is that you did, doesn't mean that you have a business. You may have a- I don't think it means what you think it means. That's what I'm saying, right? It doesn't quite mean the same thing. You might have a company, but you don't have a business until you have these systems in place. When you talk to to your clients, how many of them are in business and how many of them are self-employed? Oh, that's a great question. Many of them are self-employed and they have, it's, it's funny because we always talk about businesses failing because they don't have enough customers. But what happens when they come onto the Business Bros podcast, they've gotten all of this publicity, They're, they have the spotlight shining on them and their company now, and they have a different type of problem, more growth than they can handle. And they realize either I grow this by growing my team or this business will in fact fail. So yes, many of them are self-employed, the the quote unquote solopreneur, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but but even if you are a one man or a one woman operation, try to start outsourcing things. You may not have enough work in the beginning to justify bringing on a, a part-time or full-time employee, but it doesn't mean that you can't get that virtual assistant that you can just pay maybe for a certain number of hours or on demand as needed. It doesn't mean that you can't outsource your bookkeeping uh, and some of your, your legal responsibilities and other things that, that might be considered back office administrative type things. Start offloading that, get it off of your plate, delegate it so that you can focus on actually working on your business and not in your business. You know, I, one of my favorite books uh, that I read that kind of really structured this out was uh, Michael Gerber's E-Myth, yes. right? E -Myth I knew you were going to say that. And, and, <laughs> and it's funny because uh, I was thinking about different kinds of content that I want to make. And I thought, man, I read so many books, Audible, right? But I read so many books that some of the content pieces that are educational I should do is just summarizing chapters of books and my opinion on those chapters of the book, right? So when you're talking about this, I'm thinking, okay, you're, you're talking the difference between an entrepreneur, the difference between a manager, the difference between a technician. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, when you talked about businesses failing, one of the reasons that businesses fail is because they burn out. They're like, yes. I'm over this. I don't yes. want to do this anymore. I don't want to file another tax return. I don't want to do another bookkeeping thing. I don't want to wash those dishes. I got into this to do X, Y, Z, and now I have to do all these other things. So, you know, when you're offsetting some of these things to other people, those are the things, those are the mundane tasks that you don't want to do, but you have to do. Am I exactly. right? Exactly. That is so spot on. I'm so glad you said that because you're absolutely right. Those are the things that can trip us up. And like Michael Gerber says in his book, the entrepreneur, when you think of the, the archetype of what a typical entrepreneur is, we, we are the 50, we're at the 50,000 foot level. We have the, we're the big picture thinkers, the visionaries. We don't want to get bogged down in those mundane, detailed oriented tasks. It slows us down. We, we think of the strategy and we let everybody else do the, the technical work of the business. But as he says, when so many of us start our companies, we just know that we have a particular skill, talent, or ability, 
And that's what we build the business around. And we end up just creating glorified jobs for ourselves. And like he says, you have to have that balance. You have to have that entrepreneur, that manager, and that technician to make sure that that important things don't fall through the cracks. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. That's <laughs> absolutely right. Oh, man. R.I.P., <laughs> dude. Uh, you know, and when you're talking about the people who uh, who feel at that point where they don't know that their business is crushing them when they don't know that that these things can be outsourced to other people they don't know people like you exist that can come into this into their business and help them outsource stuff they have this mindset of nobody can do it like i can do it they have this mindset of you know if i don't do it it's not going to get done i can only count on myself good help is hard to find Uh, how do we counteract that mindset I would, I always suggest start with things that you really don't enjoy doing in your business. And, and the important thing is when you are starting off to make sure that you, you at least do all of these things yourself once. For example, I hate bookkeeping. I don't like doing it, but I did it enough on my own to be able to write the processes and to be able to educate myself about the software that I was using, how it works. So that way, when I did find a bookkeeper and a CPA that I could delegate that to, I knew exactly what to look for. I knew exactly what questions to ask them. And I knew how, more importantly, I knew how to monitor what they were doing Mm. because I had already tried the work out myself. So start with those mundane things that you really don't like doing, but are very critical to your business and then graduate up to your core skill set. And again, document what you do, train people. And even though you may not be comfortable with with just releasing them to the wild, (laughs) always make sure that you have those quality control checkpoints along the way. So let's say, for example, if you are an artist and there's no one who can do, you have a signature style to your artwork. There's no one else who can replicate what you do, but there is a way that you could train other people you can take them on as apprentices and and teach them your methodology and your framework and how you do things. And again, always offer that quality control, go behind them and maybe suggest areas for improvement and correction. And then eventually they will get to the point where they can do that work unsupervised and unmonitored. But it it takes a long time, as, as I, I'm sure you know, it, it takes a while to, to get there, but you certainly can do it. I love going over some of these objections because, I mean, it's, it's literally stuff that I've thought of myself. I'll give you a, a, a classic example. James is our systems guy. Like, that's what he loves to do. He'll he'll sit down and I have this, this you know, 50,000 foot level idea. And I'm like, dude, this is awesome. And he's like, yes, it is. Uh, and I'm like, let's do it. And he's like, okay. And so he starts doing, you know, we got to go from A to B to C. You know, he starts doing that, right? And then when he gets to about, you know, H, I come back and I'm like, dude, I got this idea. Like, we can do this. You know what I mean? And he looks at me like, bro, like, calm down. Like, we're still working on this first right, phase, right? right let's right. get this one squared away before we move oh, on. hell no. It's exactly what he's thinking, right? Uh, and so so it, it, there's there's always this objection, you know, and, and, and my background is in taxes and accounting. And so when, when he comes up to me and he's like, hey, um, in order for us to implement the system, we need to put 
this person in place, right? And I always came back to him with, cool, how are we going to pay for that? Right. That was always the objection that I came to. Uh, what, what, uh, I'm curious to know when you, when you, cause you're a systems person, you're going to come across things. You're like, this is how it gets done. We need to, now the system's in place. We need to insert person to operate system. I know you're going to get that pushback of how am I going to pay for that? What, what's the objection or handler that you have for that? Exactly. And I think, you know, Hernan, we always, we instinctively always start thinking in terms of employees like oh my god i cannot afford an employee i have to play have to pay employment taxes benefits i can't afford that you don't have to hire an employee again there are there are so many freelancers out there that you can find start with your network start letting people know who you who you're looking for and what type of work you need help with write out that job description, be as descriptive as you can possibly be and make it clear that this is not an employment position, but that eventually it could grow into that. Mm. So you can start off with freelancers. There are a ton of virtual assistant type services. There's a company that I, that I adore is called Office Angels. And for example, they offer all types of back office administrative support. So whether you need someone to post, I know you, you all specialize in creating content for your clients. If you need an extra pair of hands on your team to actually get that content that's created and get that loaded and posted across different social sites, websites, whatever the case may be, you can get those people. You hire them on demand as needed. That is huge. That is huge, by yes. the way. And there's, a, I love that one. There's also things like Upwork, all kinds of different yes, places that you can go yes, to. Yes, Fiverr uh, is another one. Yeah, and, and you hit something super, super vital right here. We're living in an age where we're blurring the lines between uh, hiring these contractors and hiring employees here in the United States. But when you use specific uh, places like Upwork or Fiverr or wherever, you don't have to worry about that. There, there is clear separation between what you do in your business and who you're paying. You're not paying that person. You're paying Upwork. You're paying right. Angel Wings. You're paying, you know, what are whatever this company is. So those are 100% tax deductible. Those are expenses that you're paying in the in the production of the income of your business. So you're writing that off as an expense. Uh, and and now you're not committed to having this person with. Paid time off. You're not committed to having this person with payroll taxes. You're not committed with how many minimum hours. It's just on piecework to kind of, and, and, and it works two ways. Not only are you not working on that side, but you're also thinking about your own time. Like, yes. was it worth my time to hire somebody to do that? Right. Absolutely. It's a great test. It's a great test marker, right? You know, and you, I'm glad you, you brought that up because I always tell people, think about what your hourly rate is. Even if you don't charge by the hour, try to figure out what your hourly rate is if you were to charge by the hour. And then ask yourself, I just spent an hour uploading photos to Dropbox. Was that really a $300 an hour task? Really? Or is that more of a $10 an hour task? That, that also puts what you may be doing on a day-to-day -day basis into perspective, because if you really start to break it down and look at all of those activities that are taking up significant chunks of your time throughout the day, ask yourself, is this a task that is worthy of 300 or whatever your hourly rate is? And if not, 
how can you find someone at a cheaper rate who can do that work for you? The price is wrong, bitch. Right? Let's hover on the value here, right? Because I think a lot of times we as entrepreneurs don't know what our individual value is, right? I'll give you an example. This morning I had a conversation with one of my students because I still teach part-time in the morning, ladies and gents, financial algebra. <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying wow. to get these kids to uh, to create an ad to sell a product, right? And so I forced them. I was like, look, you're either selling headphones or you're selling cell phone cases because I know all you students have cell phones and, 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 uh, and uh, cell phone cases and headphones that you can create an ad for. And as I'm having a conversation with them, you know, we get into discussing these different things and how they don't know if they can do it or not, whatever. And, and towards the end, I had a, a discussion with a student who just got a scholarship, a $32,000 scholarship. Uh, and as we're discussing her skills, she's talking about helping people set up Twitch feeds or Twitch, Twitch feeds and uh, Discord channels. Um, and she doesn't really want to charge them. She's like, it's easy for me. I just do it. I'm like, you got to oh, understand no. you have a value, right? There's yes. a value to what you do. Now you can charge a hundred bucks to do that. You can charge 800 bucks to do that. And the difference is how many people and the quality of person that you're going to work with, but you have a value. And just to you know, rub it in, I was like, you just got $32,000 for school. So yeah. that is already telling you that you have a value. Right. Now, how do we identify what that value is? Like what, how do I come up with, am I worth $300 an hour? Am I worth a hundred dollars an hour? Do I kind of pick any number out of the air? Cause that's really going to help you determine whether that job is worth handing out to somebody else at 15 bucks an hour. You know what I would recommend? Just going, go to, go to one of the job sites, go to indeed.com. And, and if you were to go back into the workforce and work for someone else and get a J-O-B, what just would your, just over broke, what would your job title be? I, I do this from time to time. Go to a site like Indeed.com, type in what your job title would be if you were to apply for a job and just see what the going rate is for your services. That's a starting point. The other thing is, honestly, it might be a, a matter of trial and error, just putting Put it out there and see what people, if, if you say, okay, to do, to set up your Twitch feed, this is going to be $500. And if they say, oh, okay, sure. No problem. I'll write the check right now. That might be an indication that you still didn't charge enough, you know, but if people kind of start to flinch a little bit and get a little bit uncomfortable, if you say, well, you know what, that is going to be $2,500. Oh, oh, well, well, that's, oh my goodness. Well, you know what? I know you're good at what you do, so I'm I'm okay. We're going to we're we're going to pay you $2500. That might be your going rate for that particular service. But you won't know until you start putting it out there, but if you <laughs> if you go to these job boards, that might be a really good starting point if nothing else. I like that's a great idea. That's that's uh I, I haven't even thought about going back to that because I try to not uh, think about the whole job thing. Right? I know, I know. I got one of those already. <laughs> I teach in the morning. Uh, no, but but it's true. That I mean that's that's really when when you talk about building a business, we talk about a, a fair market economy, right? So we're talking about what a buyer and a seller agree to. And so that's what that's what your business is all about. Now you're doing some fun stuff to start promoting your business, right? You started a yes, podcast. I uh, tell me a little bit about the journey from, you know, having this business and helping people scale theirs to starting a business or to starting a podcast. Why that? Why that journey? So 
You know, honestly, I was looking for a fresher way of getting the word out about business infrastructure because all of this stuff that we've been talking about, Arnon, this is what I call business infrastructure. So the e-myth warms you up to the idea of why processes and systems are so important. But my book actually talks about, or my work, excuse me, and my book, <laughs> but my work actually gets into the how you actually do that. So I had, up to the point of my podcast, I had blogged, I had placed things on SlideShare, if people still remember what SlideShare was all about. I had done some posting on on, on LinkedIn, but I, I just hit a wall. And I, I started working with a digital coach, and he suggested that I start a podcast. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I didn't know what I would talk about. And then I really gave it some thought. I started listening actively to other business podcasts. And I was like, oh, okay, this, this could be a significant turning point for me in my company. So in the summer of 2018, I started the Business Infrastructure Podcast and the subtitle is Curing Back Office Blues. And so now it gives me a way of having weekly content pushed out there into the universe. And the great thing is like you, and, and James, I have the opportunity to bring people onto the show so that I'm not the only talking head about business infrastructure. There are other people out there who also understand the value of it and have implemented it within their companies as well. Even though they may not refer to it as business infrastructure, they definitely can speak to the importance of having the right people, the right processes, and the right tools and technology. So podcasting, I have to be honest with you, it has breathed new life into my business in more ways than one. I, I absolutely love it. It's a lot of work. It's definitely a, a, a labor of love, but it is so worth it. Oh man, it has been the cheat code to business and life for me. Um, it, here's the one of the magic things that I have found that has helped me out personally is uh, I get to meet people like yourself, right? I, I, every single day I get to meet somebody new, somebody who's doing something a little bit different, maybe very similar, whatever, but it's like the matrix. I get to plug them into the back of my head, right? And absorb what they're doing. Maybe it's only 30 minutes, but that 30 minutes could lead to a lifelong relationship. Uh, you know, I got invited to be on Startup Hustle TV as a, a you know, documenting oh, wow. my entrepreneurial journey. How? Because I had Matt DeCourcy on the podcast from Full Scale uh, IO and he was putting together this thing and he's like, hey, dude, you're fun. You're cool. Would you like to be a part of the cast? Like things and doors have opened because yes. I am able to just talk to new people. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you about your journey here in a second about, you know, downloads and stuff like that. You don't have to get specific or anything, but at the beginning, nobody's listening. I know. Start, there's I know. nobody who cares, right? I know, <laughs> but you get to develop your skills and you're still networking with people. Uh, what kept you going? Cause I know at the beginning, like, like anybody else, maybe the first episode when you've told everybody, friends, family that you're going to start, they listen to the first one. But after that, it kind of got, got a little tough, right? <laughs> I, I think I got a little lucky only because I talked to other podcasters and they warned me, they warned me. So I knew there would be crickets, but I must tell you, even when I got to about episode 50, I was like, is anybody listening? Because for those, for, for your listeners who may not be familiar with how 
what goes on behind the scenes with podcasts, you don't know who's listening unless mm-hmm. they tell you, unless people start to leave reviews. You don't even really know who subscribes. Uh, at, at most, you know where people are in the world, you know, yes. where your podcasts are actually being downloaded. But the the analytics, is, it's, it you know, there's not much for you to go on. But someone, uh, someone else, another podcaster, Doug Sandler, he has a podcast called The Nice Guys on Business. Also, he's he's out in L.A. But he told me, he said, Alicia, you'll know you're doing something and that you're on to something when people that you don't know reach out to you and tell you that they listen to your podcast and how much they enjoy it. And that started to happen, I would say, after about episode 70. And then I also heard someone else say, you know, there's something magical about the number 100. Once you reach your 100th episode, it's like, okay, she's in this for the long haul. She's not going anywhere. She's consistently putting out this podcast. Mine is a weekly podcast. And it's so true. I'm just starting to really gain traction. Publicists reach out to me asking to 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 have their guests on my show. People are are tweeting me. They are direct messaging me and in, on Instagram and and LinkedIn. And now that we have Clubhouse on the scene, that's opening up even more possibilities. So it's it's been really exciting. But you have to be committed because it's like you're talking in the beginning, but you don't even know if anybody is really listening. I, I, I'll also say this. The other comfort is knowing that your podcast content is evergreen. Once it's posted, once it goes live, it's out there. So even though people may not be listening when you first start, it could be a year or 18 months, two years from now before they stumble upon that very first episode that you did. And that's really cool. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. The evergreen is so powerful. I mean, there, you know, we we push content every single day, whether it's the long form like this on the podcast or the clips or the quote cards or the audiograms, whatever it is, we're posting content all the time. Uh, and we're tagging people as well. So, you know, your website is going to be on this post. And, and you know, if, if you're, you're one of those few that actually post a lot of content, but there's a lot of people who come on the show and they don't quite understand the value of why they should be posting yet. I know. However, when you Google their name, our stuff shows up. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is the power <laughs> of that long tail effect. Why? Because we help create content for them. They were all guests on the show. And now it's almost like uh, I, I keep telling people that our show is becoming like a like a video Yelp. Like if you want to talk mm-hmm. to a professional, cool, Google them and guess what's going to come up? Their episode on the business bros. And now you get to kind of see who they are, their personality type, what they're selling, right? All that cool stuff and, and decide whether you want to work with them. I've been thinking about trying to alter the way our search stuff happens so that it can be done that way. Because there's so many professionals that we've met that do so many amazing things. I mean, imagine if you can take what you do and and just pick and choose. And you're like, look, you're doing great in business, sir, ma'am. Let me show you some a key thing, one or two things here, and they can just shift like that if you just had the opportunity to do that. So yes. I want to make sure that I do give you that opportunity. Uh, if you can do me a favor, let people know how they can get a hold of you, especially for a listening audience. Make sure you uh, spell it out or, or lay it out sure. there for them. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. The best way is to go to my personal website, and that is aliciabutlerpierre.com. So that's A-L-I-C-I-A. B-U-T-L-E-R 
P-I-E-R-R-E.com. And that really serves as a hub for all of the different ways that we can communicate with each other. So you'll see links to all of my social media profiles. You'll also see a link to my book if you want more information about that, my podcast, as well as my consulting company. Perfect. All right, ladies and gents, you heard it here. Look, you want to scale your business. You want to take your business to the next level. I know you just started maybe, right? You had this shower idea. You started implementing. <laughs> you're out there grinding it out. You're talking to customers. You're doing the invoicing. You're doing the work. You're following up. You're doing all those things. When you get burned out or hopefully before that, you realize that you need a little bit of help and we just don't know what we don't know. So you need to reach out to professionals just like Alicia here and get some help, get a third party perspective to help you get the answers that you're looking for so that you can take a vacation, but don't allow your paycheck to take a vacation with you. That's the whole idea. That's the reason why you got into the business in the first place. So my guys reach out It's scrolling across the bottom, aliciabutler.com. Uh, sorry, Alicia butlerpierre.com uh, and you guys can find her on Instagram as well Alicia underscore B underscore Pierre hit her up send her a DM I mean that's what it takes ladies and gents yes. reach out you never know where your life will lead if you just take that leap of faith right that first step Alicia thank you very much for being on the show today Oh, thank you. This was so much fun. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> well, ladies and gents, again, it is my favorite day of the week. S-H-I-T. So happy it's Thursday. We'll see you again manana. Peace and round. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income? Hernan, the business bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csfirst.com to schedule a free consultation or join the Business Bros Network, www.businessbros.biz.